So we're looking at John 17 today. And of course, the first question uh, we could ask is, uh, I mean, we, we, we heard the prayer of Jesus and we just read out the prayers of St. Anselm and uh, the Bishop Desmond Tutu. The question is, why, why are these prayers recorded? Uh, why do we need to read other people's prayers? And I don't know about you, but prayers are such personal, even private matters. Uh, these are things from the depths of your heart. And aren't, so aren't prayers supposed to, to be like private and personal? Why are we even reading them? And why are we even uh, learning about them? And I, I wonder what, what, what thoughts came to your mind when we read through the two prayers, uh, three prayers really, uh, today. What are the thoughts that come to your mind? How does it make you feel? What are the what what what's what how does it what does it evoke in your hearts right? And for me, I think um, reading the prayer of uh, other people, and obviously reading the prayer of Jesus, um, it um, there are many things that I remember. Like for example, Saint Anselm prays, uh, "Teach me to seek you, for I cannot seek you unless you teach me." Right. Uh, let me seek you in my desire. I mean, it's so easy to forget that. I mean, it's all, it's all basic knowledge in a way, but it's so easy to forget that you need to pray for God to uh, reveal himself to us. Or as Desmond Tutu says, um, we have fallen in love with time so much that we have ceased to dream of eternity. I mean, that is such a relevant prayer, I think, in, in today's world. And so there's something that you learn when you read the prayers uh, of others, especially as recorded in uh, in John as well, in the scripture as well. And, and of course, it communicates the heart of the one who's praying. You get a glimpse of the desires of the person. Um, and so uh, reading other people's prayers, learning from them is such, uh, such an enriching experience, I think. Uh, and today we're looking at the prayer of Jesus and asking what might we uh, glean from here. Uh, for our own lives. And I just want to throw back to, to the prayer of Desmond Tutu and kind of make a connection between the two prayers that I said, uh, we read out. And I, I want to summarize it like this. Um, we may put it like this. Disturb us till we long and till we look for God. Disturb us till we long and look for eternal life, um, the fullness of life. And I think that's as real and as uh, heartfelt as it gets, I think, as a prayer, uh, because we live in a world uh, in which we are constantly distracted and we are tied, our attentions are pulled away, but the prayer to disturb us, to not be contented where we are, I think that's such a heartfelt prayer. And that is the gist, in a way, of the, of the sermon today as well. So I want to go back to John 17, and uh, again, if you have your devices or your uh, uh, Bible, it'd be great to leave that open because we're going to be reading through, uh, although summer is already read for us. And I want to go back all the way to uh, verse 1, um, John chapter 17, verse 1, in which uh, Jesus uh, opens his prayer. So John chapter 17, verse 1, this is what he says. This is what John says. This is how John records. After Jesus said this, he looked towards heaven and he prayed. Father, that the hour has come, glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, 
that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. The theme I want to focus in on this particular verses, few verses, is the idea of eternal life. Um, and I wonder what comes to your mind when you think of eternal life. I know that in my upbringing, um, <laughs> we have a completely different perspective of eternal life. It's about something that happens when you die, you go somewhere and you, you, you live in this timeless existence and uh, not sure what we do exactly, but uh, eternal life is that, what, what, ha- what happens then. Uh, but when you read the Bible, when you read the scripture, especially read this one and other passages in John, you realize that eternal life has uh, more connotations than something that happens when we die and when we go to heaven. Uh, in fact, so for example, in John 3.36, we are told, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Note their present tense. It's not they will have eternal life later. It says whoever believes in Jesus has eternal life. The same theme is repeated in John 5:24. Truly I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. John 6:47 again, those who believe has eternal life. So eternal life is not something that's activated after death, uh, something that we look forward to in the future. Eternal life is something that uh, that is a lift and present reality here on this earth. Not only future, but here on this earth. Some commentators, some, some biblical scholars have uh, put it in this way. Eternal life is about quality, not quantity. And I'm not completely sold in the, the language of that, but I think it's helpful in understanding. Like It's about the quality of life, and it's not so much about how long, like infinity years you live. I mean, it's not... Uh, it could be that, but it's more than just quantity. It's about quality of life. To use the language of John, it also it means fullness of life, life in abundance. And of course, we read about that in John 10, verse 10, where Jesus says, I've come to give life and life in its fullness or in abundance. So, so eternal life, according to Jesus in John, is... Um, a fullness of life and it comes from knowing God and knowing Jesus and um, that is I think the definition of eternal life that Jesus gives in John 17 um, is um, not not the not the definition that you would give when somebody asks you what is eternal life uh, he says to, to eternal life is to know God and to know Jesus but so I just want to expand on that a bit and try to uh, try to like chew on that and reflect what he what he might have meant, and I think we can again throw back to John 15 where Jesus talks about the vine and the branches. Um, the branches are alive only to the extent that they are connected to the vine. All right, um, we we know this as a matter of common sense. Like uh, the branches of a tree is alive only to the extent that they are connected to the branches uh, to the the main vine, a main uh, tree. Or uh, to use another metaphor that John uses in chapter 4, um, it is to be connected to the stream of living water, where the supply of water is endless. There's always an, a stream of water that we can tap onto, and it doesn't end. 
and of course this comes in the context of Jesus talking with the Samaritan woman uh, the Samaritan woman you might know from John chapter 4 was a woman who was in uh, in a moment of crisis she was searching for rest she was searching for meaning for uh, in other words she had no eternal life no there she was she had no she was empty she was restless she was not at peace and Jesus saw her and knew the situation that she was in and Jesus told the Samaritan woman if you take what I have to give you you will thirst no more right uh, you, you will not you, you won't have to uh, come again and again to to draw from the, 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 the well using the metaphor of the well you will thirst no more in um, in Jeremiah I'm, I'm throwing a lot of Bible verses here but uh, I'm trying to paint the picture so uh, uh, I uh, request you to hang on with me in Jeremiah chapter 2 the prophet Jeremiah tells the people of Israel he says my people have committed two sins they have forsaken me the spring of living water and they have dug their own cisterns broken cisterns that cannot hold water in other words to not know God is is like drawing water with a broken bucket a lot of effort a lot of uh, a lot of efforts and endeavors given but it's empty it's lifeless and even at its very best it lacks the fullness that God promises uh, that Jesus promises on the other hand Jesus gives eternal life uh, Jesus comes to give us the fullness of life and the fullness of life's come, fullness, fullness of life comes from knowing God and knowing his son so if you if you were to frame it in another way um, eternal life is about being in fellowship with God having fellowship with God to be to be connected like the vine and is to the like the branch is to the vine uh, to be linked to the source of living water or to use a more contemporary example to be constantly plugged into the power source uh, to have life running through us constantly so all this is well and good now the more practical question is how do we actually know Christ then how do we actually know God in our lives and I mentioned this last week as well and I'll just be very brief in this we know Christ through the scripture Christ is revealed to us in his word uh, the scripture not just the Gospels but the entire scripture is given to us to tell us uh, who God is like in, in fact it is we, uh, we believe that it is God's self-revelation it's as though he's telling himself telling us about himself to us so we know Christ and we know God through scripture and we know uh, we know God through scriptures by the help of the Holy Spirit uh, and again we read this in John 16 as well where Jesus says I will go away but I will send you a spirit and the spirit will teach you the spirit will lead you into all truths and help you to understand in a deeper way all the things that I've been telling you so we know Christ through scripture and we know Christ through the leading of the Holy Spirit in our life when we look at scripture we we are told that Jesus is a savior he's a servant he became a servant Jesus is Lord he's victor over death uh, he's able to uh, forgive us he's able to heal our sicknesses 
the scripture tells us that Jesus resisted pride and self-glorification. In fact, uh, on the, to the contrary, he loved the outcast. He loved the sinners. He forgave sinners. He spent time with his disciples. He called the disciples his friends. And so we meet Jesus in all of these words. We meet Jesus in the, the scripture and the Holy Spirit opens the word to us as we read. And I think this is what he's indicating in uh, John 17, verse 17, when he says, when he prays, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them, I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. So we, we meet Jesus in the word and we meet Jesus through the Holy Spirit who reveals to us. But, but there's, there's a slight problem. And we might call this the, the reason why the disciples were anxious when Jesus said, I will leave you. And that problem is that Jesus is not with us. He's not physically with us today. What we would give, right, to be able to see him. What we would give to be able to hear him and to be able to spend time with him, right? What we would give to be able to befriend him. So there's the feeling of distance. Even though, yes, we meet Jesus in the word, but, and, but yet we feel that uh, distance, just like the anxiety of the disciples. Where is Jesus? Has Jesus left us? And where has Jesus gone? And I think this is where verse 20, the prayer that he makes in verse 20, becomes so powerful and so meaningful for us who are living in the 21st century. Uh, he prays like this in verse 20, uh, John 17, verse 20. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. There's a lot of words there, but um, these are from, from my reflections. Um, and I just want to summarize, uh, uh, hopefully, not necessarily make it simple, but uh, I just want to summarize my reflections from here. I think what Jesus is saying and what Jesus is praying is that the, the, the believers of Jesus may be united because it is true there it is true the disciples it is true the believers that the world will experience Jesus it is true the disciples that the world will know Jesus and will believe in Jesus and I think that's why Paul calls the church the body of Christ right when Christ is physically yet absent with us today, it is the body of Christ that represents Christ on church on, on, on earth. The followers of Jesus Christ are commissioned, or uh, as Jesus puts it, sent to the world to witness and to represent Christ. Thus, I think the, the prayers of Jesus uh, is when he says that they may be one, they may be together in fellowship, um, I think what it means is that the, may the believers be so united to Christ and so similar and close to Christ because it is Christ that they are representing. 
it is Christ that they're representing. So if, if you go back to the anxiety of the disciples, where is Jesus today? I think according to the prayer of Jesus here, if you want to see Jesus, if you want to know Jesus and believe in Jesus, look to the believers, look to the church. And I know that's that's massive. That's I mean, that makes me nervous like, um, to think that we can even say that. But that seems to be the, the what Jesus is saying here and praying here, that the people may encounter Jesus through his followers, his disciples. And so I think the, 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 the responsibility comes down on, on believers, the body of Christ. How do we embody Christ? The answer, I think, is quite simple. It is by being like Christ, by being so united and in, synced, up, synced up with Christ that we resemble and we begin to represent Christ. To reflect the mind, the attitude, and the posture of Christ, the, the heart, the attitude, and the posture of Christ. So one, the, when Jesus prays that they may be one, I think he's, he's praying that Christians and believers, followers of Jesus, would be united with Christ, and in that unity, they may be united with one another as well. Just to give a small example, if there are many musicians playing, regardless of whether they're in India or China or UK or wherever in the world, if they're all playing according to the same music sheet, when they come together, they realize that, oh, actually we are playing the same score, they're playing in unison. And I think that's what Jesus is praying here, that his believers would be all focused on uh, following Jesus and being united with Jesus. And in that process, we become united in spirit as well as the body of Christ. So I think, practically speaking, there are a few things that we can uh, take away from here, I think. Uh, I think it, what it means is that, uh, firstly, we we need to be habitually um, in fellowship with Jesus, or to use a less Christian term, uh, we need to be habitually meeting Christ, to be uh, trying to be desiring to meet Jesus. And as I mentioned earlier, we meet Jesus in the Scripture. We meet Jesus by the help of the Holy Spirit through the Scripture. Uh, the Holy Spirit introduces the Father and the Son to us. The Word of God introduces the Father and the Son to us. So we meet Jesus through Scripture, and also. We need to be habitually trying to meet with the body of Christ, right? And that is the community of faith. And I think when it comes down to Ictus, uh, that, that means uh, a couple of things. And I would like to just reflect with us today, right? The first thing is we need, obviously, we need to be reading the Bible. Uh, the scripture opens the word for us, uh, reveals to us who God is, and we, are, we meet Jesus through the scripture. And as we read the Bible, we are praying that the Holy Spirit will lead us and reveal to us uh, the person of Jesus Christ as well. Sunday worship services, when we come to worship and have service like this, when we sing songs, when we reflect on scriptures together, when we pray and when we have conversations after, this is also uh, an important aspect of meeting with the body of Christ. Uh, yes, there's meeting uh, Christ through the scripture as well, but also with the body of Christ, the physical embodiment of Jesus on this earth. As you know, we also have prayer meetings on Wednesday evenings, and that is, of course, virtual. And that is, of course, very flex uh, made flexible so that we all can join in spirit, if not in, in, uh, in the virtual meeting. That is, of course, a time for us to pause and 
to just um, just think about one another and the concerns that we might have, the concerns that we all are sharing, for example, in light of the earthquake in Turkey, Turkey and Syria, uh, um, we all unite ourselves to, uh, as a community and to pray in the spirit. And in that process, meeting uh, in one spirit with the body of Christ. And so again, uh, although I understand Wednesday nights are uh, kind of tricky to meet, I would encourage you to, even if you're not able to join, that you would join in spirit wherever you are. Pause, even if it's just for a few minutes to pause and unite your, our spirits together, hearts together in prayer. And of course, we also have fellowships that, um, that we, um, that's going on with men's group, uh, women's group. And I think these are opportunities where we are not just talking uh, about scripture, and of course that is there, uh, but we are also communicating what's in our hearts, right? What bothers us, what's troubling us in our, in our life, what are some concerns that we have in our life, uh, or positively, what, what is exciting us, what is making us glad. And these are all ways of meeting one another and sharing in the life together. Having said all of that, it's not realistic to aim for absolute literal unity. I remember how it was when in, in the days of our youth when we had much more time to hang out and fellowship and you know spend pretty much the whole Sundays. Uh, it's, it's not practical to wish for that. Uh, simply because of geographical barriers, we live apart from, uh, we live in different places, we have work. And honestly speaking, when Jesus was saying, let the church be united, he's also thinking about Christians in first century, right? Second century, the 2000 years of existence of the church or even beyond. Uh, the Bible says Abraham was also uh, uh, had faith in uh, God through Christ. So if you think of that, the thousands of years of people who believe in God, um, there's absolutely no way to be literally united with that, right? But I think where we are, the moment that we are living in, the spaces that you, you, God has placed you in, maybe in your house, in your families, or in your workplaces, or with friends, or in church, indeed. And the moments that, the historical moment that we are living in, 2001, circa 2001, 2021, uh, 2023, that we, for example, Vimy and we have been with Ictus. In this moment, in this time, and in this space, uh, we make the effort to meet with uh, the body of Christ, to meet in fellowship with one another. And again, that is really the theme for the year this year, uh, fellowship together in Christ. Uh, our desire is to think more about that uh, practically and uh, hopefully grow by the help of God. So the heart of the sermon today is, uh, is this, that eternal life is to know Christ. Eternal life is to know the Father. And we do that, we, we know Christ and we know the Father through the scriptures. But... It's also equally true that others can know Christ through the body of Christ, through us. We come to know Christ through each other. I come to know Christ through you, who are in Christ, right? And so we become this mutual uh, re responsibility to one another. We become the channels and the mediators of Christ's eternal life to others. And that is a massive but uh, such a uh, privilege of a uh, responsibility that we have to one another and to the world. And so this is what he, uh, Jesus goes on to pray in verse 24. He prays, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me 
before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. I think there's something um, something um, comforting in these words because it reminds us that this process of syncing up to Christ, this process of becoming united with Christ, is not a one-time event. It's a process that we are growing into. Uh, syncing up takes time. Um, and becoming united takes time. Um, knowing Christ takes time. And so today we may look at ourselves and say, come on, how can I represent Christ? Or you may look at one another and say, come on, how can they represent Christ? Fair enough. I think that's, that's, that's exactly the point. Knowing Christ is a, is a progress, it's a process. And our knowledge may be weak for now. Uh, just as the Bible says elsewhere, like we look as though from a, a, a dim mirror. We, the, our glimpse and our knowledge is weak for now. And we look at churches around us, our own church or other churches, and we see lack of unity, right? And it's, it's quite ironic that the, the prayer of Jesus is that churches may be united, believers may be united, and this unity should bring people to Christ. But the, the, the fact of the matter is that this work of becoming united, work, working towards following Christ, is a process, a journey of discipleship. Sometimes there are disagreements between denominations, the groups, and between theologians. Uh, and, and, but ultimately, the point, I think, is to be in sync with Jesus and to work towards complete unity. It will take a long time and it will keep going until we meet Jesus himself. Until we see him completely, we will have to keep striving with God's help. After all, it will be a bit too much to claim that we, the followers of Christ, can perfectly represent Christ, right? I mean, it's, there's absolutely no way that we can claim, make such a claim that you want to see Christ, come and look at us. I mean, there's, we're not going to reach that point anytime soon. Uh, that is possible only when we actually meet Jesus fully and experience the unity of God fully. We, the perfect sinking, the perfect following Christ comes on that day. Until then, we need to keep praying the prayers of Ansem and Desmond Tutu. To pray, help us to look for you. Help us to desire you. Help us to find you. Disturb us when we get lazy. Or disturb us when we become complacent or laid back in the effort of sinking or following Jesus Christ. But help us to be discontented until we are perfected in the image of Christ. So, along those lines, I want to leave two final questions that we can think um, in your own or uh, uh, in your homes. When life and when our schedules are busy, and I mean this very practically. I think these are uh, these a few practical questions that we can think about. When life and schedules are busy, how might we strive to know Christ and to be synced up to his life? And secondly, what steps can we take to meet Jesus in the word of God and to meet Jesus in the body of Christ? So with this uh, uh, question and with... Um, this reflection on the prayer of Jesus, I want to 
uh, close my sermon and let me just read out the prayer of Ansem one more time and um, let let this be uh, yeah let, let it challenge us fresh oh Lord my God <clears throat> teach my heart this day where and how to find you you have made me and remade me and you have bestowed on me all the good things I possess and still I do not know you I have not yet done that for which I was made Teach me to seek you, for I cannot seek you unless you teach me, or find you unless you show yourself to me. Let me seek you in my desire. Let me desire you in my seeking. Let me find you by loving you, and let me love you when I find you. Amen.